as you look at the Gospel of Mark, you see this all throughout the Gospels, really. You see people coming to Jesus, mainly the Pharisees and the scribes, and what they're normally trying to do is really trip up Jesus. Let's see what we can find wrong with Jesus. Let's see where his teachings are wrong. How can we trip him up? So here is really no different. They run to him in, the, in chapter 12, and they try to trip him up, yet he answers with a great answer. And then one of the scribes, verse 28, came and heard them arguing and recognized that he answered them well. So he asked Jesus this, what command is the foremost of all? Jesus, what is the greatest command? Now, imagine people listening, and Jesus is about to say, listen, if there's anything you have to remember, if there's anything you have to know, here it is. Can you imagine that? And here's what he tells them. The foremost is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. What did Jesus just do? Now, he did a couple of things here. Uh, First of all, he took the Ten Commandments, and he put them and love God and love your neighbor. Think about the Ten Commandments for a minute. The first half is about loving who? God. The second half is about loving who? Your neighbor. So what Jesus just did is he took the Ten Commandments, and here's what he said. You want to please God? Here's the greatest command. Love God well, first half of the Ten Commandments. Love people well. If you do these two things, you will please God. Now, you will see in your text that Jesus is quoting something from somewhere. What Jesus is quoting, if you would, just turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Here's what Jesus is quoting. He is quoting the, a piece of scripture from the Old Testament called the Shema. The Shema has been read even to this day for thousands and thousands of years by the Jewish people. Every single morning and every single evening. In fact, I want to take this portion that Jesus quoted in Mark, and he is quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, but what I want to do is put it in its context so we can understand this. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might, These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Now listen. This was supposed to be spoken of figuratively, but this was actually towards the first century taken literally. So here's what happened. For thousands upon thousands of years, 
Jewish people to this day can be found at the Wayland Wall praying this prayer in the morning and in the evening. These two verses, three verses, verse 4, 5, and 6. In verse 4 and 5, they're saying over and over and over. You may have, if you have any friends who are Jewish, I do. When you go to their house, you've seen that little scroll above their house. That scroll contains several scriptures, one of them being this passage right here. Again, they took this passage, took it literally, and put it on the doorpost. Another thing that happens, um, you will see I have pictures here. This is a man at the Wayland Wall to the right. And what you'll see is there is a black leather box. What they have done with this black leather box is placed four little pieces of Scripture in this black leather box. And when they go to pray during festivals and during the morning and evening, they will wrap around this strap seven times around their left arm. They put one of these black boxes right here. They feel like it, it, it one scholar said, faces their heart. Bind them in your heart. Four pieces of Scripture. One is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. So they put the black leather box here. Then they put one, what does the rest of the text say? On your frontal head, forehead. So they have it on their forehead. So what you now see going on, this still happens today. You have four pieces of Scripture, little pieces of, of paper that are written, four different passages, right in here, then right in here. Then they're down at the wall praying, saying this prayer. So to this day, this is still taking literally, and this is still happening, it's still going on. Now, what I want to do is break apart this word love because we see it in Mark chapter 12 when he says to love God and love your neighbors. Here's the thing about this word love, and you know it's true. We use this word love so interchangeably, do we not? I love Chick-fil-A. Amen. I get more amens about Chick-fil-A than I do my preaching. Then someone will say, I love my children. You're using the same four-letter word that has a total different connotation, correct? This is the same throughout Scripture. Now, sometimes it is true. I do love Chick-fil-A more than I love my kids at some moments. <laughs> some moments. If you're not laughing, I'm joking. I love my kids dearly. If you're a visitor, I love them dearly. But the way we've used this word love has really been diluted so much. So if we are going to look, if Jesus took this passage from the Hebrew, and Jesus' language, the cousin language of Hebrew is Aramaic. So, but this is not translated in Aramaic in the, in the New Testament Greek. This is a whole different word that's in Greek. So what we have to do is figure out the original meaning of this word love that we see in Scripture. In the Old Testament, you see this word love used hundreds of times with several different meanings. I want to pick apart this passage here. This is the thing, the Shema, they would pray every morning and every evening. Jesus prayed it as well, just so you know. This is what he tells them. What is the greatest command? 
Here it is, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. So here's what he does first. It's incredibly important that you see this passage. Hear, O Israel. That's going to happen again. It didn't work. There we go. Hear, O Israel. So now he is speaking to the nation, to the people of Israel. And this word hear is different than just listen. This word hear means take action on what you're about to hear. Many times we can read the Word of God, we can hear the Word of God, but we don't take action to the Word of God. That's where Christian maturity lies. It's in the action. It's not in the knowing. It's in the action. Every time in Scripture, Christian maturity is not determined by how much you know, it's how much you do. Hear, O Israel, speaking to Israel, the Lord our God is one. Now, this doesn't mean as much to us today as it did to them. Okay, if you didn't know, um, they, most uh, Israel, Israelites were polytheistic, meaning they served so many different gods of their time. Okay, so now here comes this passage where, where Jesus is telling them, the Lord our God is one. In fact, Israel, you serve so many different gods and you place your hope in so many different things and your commitment is to so many different things. But let me just tell you, all those other false gods aren't real gods. Remember that the plagues? Each plague represent a false god of that time, Right? So when, when, when you see the plagues happening, these were false gods that were in charge of these plagues. So what did God do? He showed that he was in charge of these false gods, that he was the ultimate God. Remember that in the Old Testament? So what is going on now is he's reminding them, remember, these are all false gods. There's only one God here. So what he is reminding them is God is a monotheistic God. There is one God. It's not no more polytheism a bunch of gods that you can serve. By the way, that's what we see today, do we not? Let's just coexist. Well, you, can, you can, but you can't. Do you know what I mean? It's, according to Scripture, that is completely contradicts what Scripture says. You can't just coexist because there's not a bunch of gods. You are not your own God. All these other gods are still in the grave. There is one God who has defeated death and is raised again. There is one God, and your allegiance should be to the one God. So what he is telling them, Israel, stop it. There is one God. One. You want to please God? Here's how you do it. You ready? What should we do? How do we please God? Here's what you should do. This was so important, keep in mind, that they pray this every morning and every evening. Every morning, every evening. This is how important this is to them. If we are going to please God, this is what I need to do. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Now, I want to sit on this one word, love. There are literally over 400 ways that the word love is used in the Old Testament. Um, here's what I want to do. I want to sit on this one word love right here. We're not even going to have time. We're going to do a word study on this word love. We're not going to have time to get into heart, to soul, or might. Is that okay? You can go home and do a word study, but we're going to do it right here today just for love. Is that fair? It has to be. I got the mic. So... Here's what this word means, and you see it used 
literally hundreds and hundreds of times. You'll see it up here if you're taking notes. Ahava. When he speaks, you're going to have to sit with me. This is going somewhere. When this is written, love your God with an Ahava kind of love. You also see God loving the Israelites with an Ahava kind of love. Um, You also see male and female loving each other with an Ahava kind of love. Know what I mean, parents? Not for the kids in the room. So you see brotherly love come out of Ahava. Ahava. You see uh, friendship love come out of this word. This word is used so many different ways, and this is the word that he chooses to use here. Ahava kind of love. I want you to ahava God. I want you to love God. Now, here's the thing. Don't let me lose you. Here's the thing. If if I lose you, this will not make sense. Stay with me. Here's the thing. The ahava love is based off a feeling and response. Okay? Write that down if you're taking notes. A feeling and response. A feeling and response. So God has an ahava love for his people. Why? Because he feels a certain way about us. Therefore, he responded to that love. Did you see what I'm saying? God took action to that love. Now what God is saying, Christian, if you say you love God with an ahava kind of love, ahava kind of love takes action. Ahava love takes action. Now, stay with me. So here's where he's challenging them. Where's the action? If I want you to love God with the ahava love, to feel this God, to love this God, not emotionalism, but it's okay to feel love for God. Now, the way you prove your love for God is how? By taking action. Where's the action? I'm glad you asked. The action's going to be in your heart, the action's going to be in your soul, and the action's going to be in your mind. These are all action words that we have to take. These are not passive words. These are action. So this is the second part of the ahava. I want you to love God with a feeling, but then with the action. Well, how do I love God? If he wants me to love with action, how do I love him? Perfect. You love with this action here, people. So that's that's the love that he's talking about. Now, so you got to stay with me. There's a lot of stuff here. There's another word that's used for love over about 200 times. And I want you to hear the definition to this because God uses this word love most of the time in the Old Testament. So I think it's important that we understand this word love that God chooses to use towards his people. Listen, it's called chesed or chesed. All right. Listen to the definition of this. It's not an emotional response to beauty, merit, or kindness but rather a moral attitude dedicated to another's good, whether or not that other is lovable, worthy, or responsible. Wait. Hold on. When God speaks about his people, And how he loves them with this chesed kind of love. Listen, stay with me. Here's what this means. So when when God loves you, right, he loves you. Everybody in the seats, make this personal. I don't need to know your story because I know my God. And I know what scripture says. And it applies for everyone in this room. So listen, 
When he says he loves you, his love for you is not based off an emotional response to your beauty or to your merit. You get that? God's love for you is not based off an emotional response because of what you have to offer him. Do you get that? That this totally destroys some other religions and it destroys the whole works-based thing. No, this is simply... Chesed, let me make it clear, it's not because you're beautiful, it's not because of your merits, it's not because of your kindness. No, rather it's a dedicated response from God, not based off of whether you're worthy or not. And it gets even better. Look at the end of that sentence. It's not even based off how you respond to God. So guess what? If you fail to do this, are there consequences? Yes, you lack intimacy with God and pleasing God. But if you fail to do this, according to the word chesed, he still loves you even if you're unresponsive. Look, maybe it's just me, but man, I'm a sinner and that excited me. So remember I told you, that this word, you go from Hebrew, right? Remember I said that? To then Aramaic, which is Hebrew's cousin language. It's a Greek. And this is about to get better. Stick with me. So, so scholars were translating into Greek New Testament this passage, Mark 12. Go ahead and turn there so you can look at it. You'll believe me. So they're translating into Mark 12. And they're translating Greek. And they're looking for a word. They didn't have a dictionary to look at. These scholars were trying to figure out what is the word that best portrays the love of Jesus. Now, keep in mind, I speak Spanish and English. There are some words that don't translate, right? For example, uh, and it's the same here. You will often um, hear that or see paintings where the hands of Jesus are pierced, right? Um, those paintings are inaccurate. You may say, but in Scripture it says hand. You are correct. In the Greek, they don't have a word for wrist. So they define the hand as from here to here. So when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified right here between the ulna and the radius in order to be able to hold the body on the cross. If it had been pierced right in the palm, the weight wouldn't have held to rip right through the hands. You get what I'm saying? So the word didn't translate, so all they had was hand. Hand represented, we say, hand probably starts from here to here, right? Probably we say, no, in the Greek, hand is from here. Do you get what I'm saying? Same thing. There is not a word to necessarily translate from the Hebrew to Aramaic to Greek. So the scholars get together what word? What is the word that we can use that would help people understand the life and writings of Jesus? What is that word? So they use this word called agape. This word agape, we often say it's unconditional love. It's much greater than that. Listen to the, the definition of agape. Agape specifically means to love the undeserving despite disappointment and rejection. Uh-oh. That's countercultural. You know what I love about God? We look at chesed. 
is that his love continues although we're unresponsive. In fact, if you study that word a little deeper, that word, that word chesed also means that it's an expanding kind of love. So say when we think about it, this is great. How does God expand his love into a broken world? Let me show you how God expands his love through a broken world. Through you, 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 through you. God's love stops expanding through you when you stop living the chesed kind of love. God's love is going to love you regardless of how you respond to his love. Here's the challenge with us. We choose to love others based off their response. Come on, somebody. You got to talk to me. I'm giving you some stuff today. Christian, if you call yourself a mature Christian and you want to reflect Christ, Reading is not ahava. Loving and reacting to the reading is ahava. So you can study all the scriptures you want, and I hope you do. But if you fail to love this chesed kind of love and this ahava kind of love and this agape kind of love, all it is is 1 Corinthians 13, a bunch of clinging bells. So God's love just pours on to me. Chesed, which is not based off my response to God. In fact, that's true. Many years I was in the drug scene. Many years I was drinking. Many years I was living wild. Guess who still chased me down when I never responded? God's love. Amen. Guess who chased you down? Guess who chased you down when you were unresponsive? God's love. Guess who's still chasing your loved one down who hasn't surrendered to Christ? God's love. You don't have to worry whether they're responsive. You don't have to worry if they're too far out there. Because according to this word love in the Hebrew, he is going to love regardless of their response. How do you not get excited about that kind of love? Now, it, 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 it it gets a lot better. It does. It really does. So, listen to this. Okay. You ready? All right. What motivated God's love for us? Okay. Uh, the Ahava love was the feeling and the action, right? Listen, this, ooh, this gets good. You can stay with me. If you fell asleep, hit someone in the throat. They got to hear this. <laughs> they got to hear it. They're probably the ones who need to hear it. No, I want you to own this, church. I want you to own this. Listen, you got to hear this. Ahava and Chesed. Describes God's love. It's, it's God's loyalty. It's his steadfastness. It's his faithfulness that he will continue to be loyal to you even when you're unresponsive or not responsive, right? So we have ahava, we saw here. Our job is to have action to this word. Remember, feeling and response. Listen to this. If God had ahava for you and chesed for you, he packaged those words together, and he had to be true to his nature, right? So what did he have to do? He had to do something. He had to act on it, right? So he bundled up this word and this love, 
and he put it in a virgin. His chava and his kased was the motivation. The gift was the agape through his son Jesus. Like, listen, listen, let me read this again for you. Agape specifically means to love the undeserving despite disappointment and rejection. While we were still sinners, he gave himself for us. Okay, the world is broken and sinful. God sees it. Many of them are going to reject me. But remember, i got to stay true to my definition of love, achava and chesed. I am not going to only respond in love. If they respond, I am going to love is because who I am. Let me package up this gift of love to those who will reject me, to those who are in sin, to those who will be unresponsive, to those who will bash the church and beat the church. Let me, this is who I am. I know what they need. They have broken hearts. They need the stitches to put it back together. And there's only one cure, and it's Jesus. So let me take my agape love in the, sor- in the form of my son, Jesus, which means that the love that, that is un- unwavering, the, the love that is unconditional, uh, the love that is going to love humanity despite their disappointment and rejection. So let me ball up my son, let me put him in a virgin, and let me send him to this world who's been rejecting me and who was filled with sin and who's going to disappoint me. But because I love, I must respond. So I'm going to respond to my son, Jesus. To this broken world, to a very broken world. Now, church, here is my challenge for you. My goodness, what a word, huh? Remember he said in the Gospels, by this they will know you are of me. By what? By the way you love one another. Not by how much you know, how much you give, how much you attend church. Listen, let's be honest. The world doesn't need any more fake hypocritical Christians. The world needs people living out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christians who call themselves mature, who are willing to love their enemy. You know what he says about, you know that word love your enemy? It's agape. They don't deserve it. But love them. So this is this is mind blowing concept here. It's countercultural, by the way. Here's what I want to ask you, and I want you to package this up and take it home with you. How do you love your neighbor? Honestly, how do you love your neighbor? Your coworker. Your literal neighbor lives next to you. How do you love your own family? I know, we've all, we've all had family members burn us, right? Counterculture, what he's telling us to do is to love your enemy, love those that have hurt you. How? The truth is you can't do it without the strength and power of Christ. How do you love this church? How do you love this church? Do you love your neighbors, your family, this church with this, this unconditional love saying, I'm not going to love family, neighbors, or church based off of what they have to give me. I'm going to love based off of what God has given me. Do you love that way? i got to be honest, I don't always love that way. I am so embarrassed to share this, but I'm going to share it because I think it will help some people. Five years into my marriage, my wife is crazy sick at home today, so she'd probably be like, don't do it. But she ain't here, so I'm going to do it. 
five years into my marriage, like ministry just consumed me. I mean, I was working 80, 90 hours a week. I was never really ever home. I'd get home, and I'd get on my phone, and I'd answer emails. And, and, and five years of my marriage, my wife looked at me and rolled over in bed. She's like, do you still love me? I was like, what? Why would you even ask that? Like, I say it all the time. Literally, I say it all the time. And now getting to know my wife and having to work through that, I thought, my words didn't match my actions. I would say I loved her, but I placed my career way above her. And I'll never forget thinking, I really stink at this husband thing. But I'll never forget how sobering and how much of a wake-up call it was for me. I can't love just with words. That doesn't impress her anymore. It's become numb when you just love with words. So I had to repent. Honey, I've sucked. I'm sorry. I've made church my idol because I've let church give me my value. But you know what I found out? Loving your neighbor, who then was my wife or whoever else, is much easier when I'm loving God and allowing him to love me. Then loving my neighbor is a byproduct of me loving God and God loving me. The reason why some of us can't love our neighbors, I'm afraid to say, because I don't think we fully comprehend the love of God. Every time somebody asks me, how many kids do you have? Well, I'm glad you asked. I pull up my phone. I'm so proud. And I'm just sharing on my kids and how beautiful they are. You can't help but show because I'm so in love with my family. I recognize the more I'm in love with God, the easier it is to share. And the times that my spiritual walk is weak, my neighborly love is weaker. This is all it is. And then this is an overflow. The problem is some of us are letting this dictate this. That's the problem. And if you just let this dictate this, the rest will take care of itself. Normally when you let this dictate this, those kind of people normally live with bitter hearts because you can't, you can't control this, can you? You can't control people. It's not people are just hard to love. Let's be honest. But when you love like this, it's easier to love like this. So how do you love each other? How do you love this church? How do you love your neighbor? How do you love your family? Isn't that an amazing kind of love he gives us, this chesed kind of love? It's amazing. Let's pray together. God, we want to thank you to even think about the passage, for God so loved the world. And what that means, he loved an unresponsive world that you would package up your agape flesh. My goodness. The undeserving, my goodness. So, Lord, we love you. We just ask you to work in our hearts this morning.
For those that have hard hearts, would you break them, Father? For those that are deep in sin, where you remind them how much you love them. Our pastors will be up at the front. Listen, if you're here this morning and you just need prayer, maybe you're a Christian, you're saying, listen, I, I'm not doing well in this area. The altars will be open for you to get on your knees and just come to the Lord. If you're here this morning and you've never surrendered your life to Christ, listen, our pastors would love to pray with you and lead you into what that means. Lord, be with us this morning. Just work through our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray.